Hello and welcome to the Series 8 of the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk founder and CEO, Jeremy Gottschalk. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and leaders from the marketplace and digital platform ecosystem, with the goal of providing valuable real-world lessons that can be leveraged by you, the listener, to help you launch, grow, and succeed. Please note, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerace.com for more information. Welcome to the Platform Podcast. On today's episode, we welcome author, speaker, advisor, former chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board, and the former host of this very platform podcast, Elle Tucker. It's great to have you in the hot seat now, Elle. <laughs> it's lovely to be on the on the other side. And yeah, the platform podcast is a great podcast, so I'm very happy to guest on it and um, to have you to be uh, hosting. So thank you for having me. It's, it's funny because uh, you reminded me when we were talking about the podcast, um, that this idea came up uh, during the pandemic and um, over time has has grown and, and we've covered, a, well, you've covered a wide variety of topics. Uh, and so it's great to kind of come full circle and, and chat with you, particularly about something, one of your big accomplishments that um, I think uh, everybody needs to, to uh, hear about and learn about. Um, but first and foremost, I just want to uh, give a, a quick shout out to thank you for all your support over the last years. You've been a great friend to me, uh, to Marketplace Risk, uh, and an advisor when really I didn't have many places to turn, certainly at the beginning. So I really want to just put that out there and, and thank you for all of your support uh, throughout the, the years, actually. Well, thank, thank you. And do you know, Marketplace Risk has been just, it's been like family, really. And I just think it's such a, it's such a testament to the sort of collaborative nature of this world that we both work in, that we've been able to sort of come together across the globe and work on something like this, but also, you know, that it's sort of transcended just a working relationship. And uh, we've been um able to work together and be friends so thank you and um yeah it's um really exciting to see how marketplace risk goes from this point onwards and you know uh, our um paths will no doubt intertwine in the future too for sure for sure and uh as i alluded to the real reason you're here is <laughs> to celebrate and talk about the launch of your book and to dig into what i like to call the who what when where and why of it um, before we do that, I want to say on this episode, what I said to you privately, that when I read your book, um, I, I, your voice comes through in your writing. And I say this literally and figuratively. I can hear you read the book, or actually, I think I'm probably reading it in your voice, um, <laughs> but also that your perspectives that, you know, it, oftentimes I understand exactly what you mean, even though it, it, you're not saying it, you know, kind of maybe as clearly as somebody else would understand, or, or maybe, I don't know, it's a reference that, that, that's to something we've talked about in the past. But um, it's really remarkable, and, and it, part of why I enjoyed reading it, obviously, it's a, it's a, a great book, but um, if you know Elle, 
uh, and you know kind of how kind of funny and witty um, and uh, down to earth it really comes across in this book. Um, and so I just I, I have to say that to you publicly because um, I I've never read a book before where I've you know maybe I've not read a book by an author I've known, but um, where I've really just heard the heard heard someone's voice in in the writing. So kudos to that. Oh, thank you. And I also felt like, you know, you can write something and sort of play a part or you can be you. And I think that things flow better when you're being yourself. And I know there's that word that gets overused about being authentic. But I think especially these days, and I've posted about this on LinkedIn, there is, you know, AI taking the words from us. And this is why, obviously, the writers are on strike in Hollywood. And I just worry about things becoming really generic. And I just think the more we can be ourselves and the more of our own personalities we can put into what we do, and, and that's not just writing, it's it's everything, then, you know, the, the better the, the world will be because nobody wants to just read boring, automated copy, um, right. whether it's on social media or, you know, you read about, like, I mean, script writing in Hollywood done by AI. That just seems like really the end of days, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I can I can attest to the fact that um, the, the, thanks for sharing. It was definitely not AI generated. <laughs> um, and I know that because uh, many of the phrases that you use in the book you used before probably we were uh, aware of AI. So um, I don't know if you stuck them in there or you got into chat GPT, but um, it was, you know, it was, it, it's just kind of refreshing and interesting to, to hear about this topic, uh, the sharing economy, from, but just from a, a very, very real, um, uh, funny, witty perspective. So um, uh, again, kudos on that. I, I'm curious, kind of the background of the book idea, when you came up with the idea for the book and kind of why was it something that, that you wanted to write? Yeah, it's funny because I think I mentioned to you way back in lockdowns um, that I decided to write a book. And I think like most people, you probably thought at that point, Fair enough. Um, but you also probably thought that if I was going to write a book about the sharing economy, it would be a, a business book. And to start with, I think that was probably the route that I would have gone down. And it was in 2020. And I know a lot of people were sitting around in lockdown and they thought they might write a book. So it wasn't really the most um, I was going to say novel idea, but that's an unintentional pun. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought, well, I, I know I'll write a book. I'm a writer. You know, that's been something that's been part of my career ever since goodness knows when. I mean, I was writing for the student newspaper. I've done, you know, screenwriting courses. I was a copywriter, a journalist, all these things. So writing's just always been part of my life. So I thought, well, you know, people have always said to me, well, you must have a book in you. And I was thought, well, do I? I don't know. And I thought, well, why don't I write about the sharing economy? Because People ask me about it a lot and say, what is it exactly again? And I thought, well, there's a chance here to really tell a story and explain it to people. And I thought initially that it would be a, more of a business book, but it evolved and it turned out not to be that kind of book because I think there are plenty of books out there about platforms and marketplaces and you know online ecosystems and that sort of thing and I think that's brilliant but 
I don't have an MBA. I, you know, you know, from working with me, I've just sort of picked this up as I've gone along. You know, my background is in languages and the arts, and I've always been that sort of person, not a sort of technical person. So I thought I've got a chance here to actually write a book that explains the sharing economy to real life people. And if in doing that, I can encourage people to get involved in it, then I'm supporting the actual ecosystem that I work in as well so I thought well how brilliant if I can bridge the gap between what I do for a living and the you know the kind of the real world and bring the sharing economy kind of like I say onto the streets but you know what I mean just like make it accessible and for people to go okay that's something I could do I didn't know that this was possible this I'm going to try this Um, and I suppose that from that, it evolved that I would write something, you know, that was humorous because I thought, well, you know, people have a short attention span. And if you start right. sort of being too preachy or you start being too boring, then it would be like, oh, OK. Right. Um, and there's lots of books out there that are kind of like, you know, 101 Ways to Save the Planet or do, you know, how to live more sustainably and all the rest of it. I thought, well, no, I'm going to write something that's a bit more of a story that's a bit more about my life and try it for real and record everything that goes right and also wrong and you know I didn't make anything up it all you know stuff did go right and stuff went very wrong as well and I think that's important and it makes it you know it makes it more human doesn't it you know, it, 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 for sure, and and again, I mean, I, I I I'm biased, right? Because I know you, I know how you speak, I know kind of your sense of humor and and sarcasm, and so to me, it, that helped. Um, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but like the book flow, because to your point, you know, anytime you you read a book about the sharing economy or platforms, it very quickly almost devolves into technical speak, and a lot of times economic concepts that, you know, you got to pull out a dictionary to understand, which, you know, I understand that there's a, there, there's a need for that truly, but, um, you know, I, I think there's, there would be some like skepticism, uh, reading my book about the sharing economy without that level of, um, I would say familiarity and humor and, and the fact that it was all true, um, I think was, was, uh, truly remarkable. The thing though about, I recall you were doing a lot of research and I recall, you know, I don't know if you told me or you hinted at, you know, kind of a business book or you were toying with the idea. I don't recall exactly. That was what I was kind of under the impression. And then when you talked about it, uh, that it was really your life story going through uh, various um, uh, sharing economy platforms and experiences I thought, okay, it went to the other, the, the pendulum swung to the other side. But the interesting thing is, is, I don't think that's the case because there's a lot of really interesting things that I learned. Um, there's a fair amount of, of, of research uh, beyond just leveraging these platforms. that um, was super interesting. Um, and so, you know, I think that that you know, I know you weren't trying to write a business book, but it's 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 almost like a, um, a, a good primer. There's some really good information in there that that um, I mean, demonstrates the amount of research that went into it, I guess. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think and, and just to sort of give people listening an, an example of that, each area of the sharing economy that I tried out for myself as a kind of like, you know, I suppose, do you, in, I don't know. If, Americans use the expression as a guinea pig because I'm going to make myself sound weird 
saying I'm a guinea pig, but you know, and it, experimenting as as if I was coming into this fresh, but also bringing in background knowledge about each type of sharing. So, for example, you know, clothes sharing, fashion that that side of it. I wanted to say, well, okay, here's what you could do, but actually, here's why you might want to do it as well, because otherwise you know, there there would be no context for it. So for each type of sharing, I sort of talk about what the end game is, because just to sort of say randomly, oh, did you know you can borrow a carpet cleaner from a neighbor rather than buy one? It's like, well, why should we do that? You know, what right. what's the reason behind it? And also, I really loved the whole part of it that was saying, okay, this isn't new. The technology is new, but what the technology is doing is enabling us to do something that we always used to do. And actually to look back and say, you know, these are the ways that we used to share and technology now is and is allowing us to do that again. So I wanted to give it context and history and, and a bit of depth as well and not just make it, as you say, a, a sort of, you know, a kind of life story about me and, and my um, reluctant family. Well, some right. of them, some of them more reluctant than others, um, getting involved in it because otherwise, you know, it, it would be a kind of like, well, what, why did you do that? What was the point? Just to be sort of funny? No, there was a re- reason for doing this, um, yeah. and and I wanted to get that across too. So that was the research part. And 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 I think the the great bridge um, that you made was, you know, today, you know, people are talking about, you know, circular platforms and, and sharing economy and kind of the need to get on board for, um, you know, global warming, greenhouse gases, the climate crisis. And there tends to be, um, you know, really, really smart people talking about, um, you know, uh, greenhouse gases and what they're doing to the temperature and ocean levels and all of that. And then there's these concepts about recycling and, and I don't know that, you know, people believe that they're actually making a dent when they put their plastic in the plastic bin. But to, I think what this did is really bridge the gap between, okay, there are, you know, we do, we need to change our lifestyles. And here are some um, interesting, perhaps um, not so well-known ways to do that, um, that, that, I think make it just real, you know, real and tangible. Um, and it also breaks down, uh, you know, I will admit when, when the first time you mentioned um, sharing or renting a dress um, and then when I was reading about like the food um, sharing, I mean, my, you know, just my, my natural reaction is like, I never thought about that, um, never really uh, have participated in it. And so the the context and the story behind it uh, or that go along with it, I think, are just super helpful to, to bridge that gap between, you know, a real a real climate crisis and, and really things that we can all be doing, um, uh, you know, uh, more so than just recycling and shining yeah. a light on an entire industry, ecosystem, um, kind of uh, uh, technological solutions to what are some very real issues. Well, that's it. And I also wanted to do a bit of myth busting as well, because people talk about the circular economy quite a lot and people confuse that with the sharing economy and say, and, you know, I actually post about this on LinkedIn. It's that sort of, oh, is it the sharing economy? I thought it was the circular economy or, or what's the difference? It's like, okay, let's lay this out here, you know, 
we need to keep things in use for longer. This is what the circular right. economy is all about. And sharing is one way you can do that. And you've touched on recycling there. Um, and obviously recycling is something we can do. But many would argue that why don't we just not throw stuff out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and use stuff more and repurpose and buy less. And, you know, there's tons of things that all fit into this big picture of circularity and sharing economy is one of them. But it's almost like it's the sort of, circular economy is kind of like you know distant relative that you know not as many people know about and it it doesn't get as much airtime. and you know uh people genuinely have said to me i just didn't know you could do a lot of these things and um i just wanted to to shout about it because you and i know from working in this space how many interesting startups are coming through with brilliant ideas about how we can access stuff rather than own it and obviously you know there's a technology part of that but the reality is that the ideas themselves um are super exciting and you know they it's great to be able to give them a bit of a voice yeah, and I and I think that uh, particularly the the younger generations are are really um, understanding of and conscious of um, you know the climate crisis certainly more than us old people um, in, in just insofar as we weren't exposed to it uh, as early on in our lives and so habits are different and all of that I, you know if I had to to guess this I think this book uh, you know. In 10 years from now, people are going to look at this book and say, like, this was kind of the start of um, conversations about this stuff that were that were real, um, that, that kind of portrayed real human beings um, uh, participating in, and kind of the follies and, and the good and the bad. And I think that, again, that's not to harp on this, but that's that that's what I think is super interesting about this and what made it super relatable. Um, and, and I guess on that point, you, um, you, you use several different platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, the one that struck me, um, that I'm still trying to wrap my head around, um, I forget what the vegetable was, um, (laughs) that was in the bottom of the refrigerator. I'm, I'm curious, how did you decide, um, what, what platforms to try? Um, yeah, I, I suppose I mean, living in Edinburgh, I didn't have as much choice maybe as if I had been living in London because quite often, you know, news sharing economy platforms, they start off in major cities and there were some that, that weren't sort of going up here. So, I, you know, and I was also conscious that because I'd got world... How does it work again? English speaking rights for my publishing deal. I knew that the book was going to come out in in the US and Canada as well, and I had some reservations about that because I did worry about you know the. I, I didn't want to make it sound too British, but at the same time, how could I not? Because that was my that's my day to day life. So, I mean, in answer to your question, I wanted to use certain apps and platforms that I felt would be the kind of ones that people might be able to access the world over. But I didn't want to mention the actual names of them in the main body of the text, because then there was the danger of it being sort of too localized. And also it sounding like I was advertising particular ones that I was using and that I had a preference for them. And, And because I know a lot of the founders in this space, it would be weird for me to sort of like okay I'm going to use this car sharing app because I know the guy that founded it you know so I kept that bit neutral and then with the help of my publisher we decided to do this thing where at the end of each of the two main sort of sections of the book I would have a kind of 
guide and and suggest apps and platforms that people could use in the different territories because it was also going to come out in um, Australia and New Zealand as well. That's the sort of three main areas, the UK, Australia and New Zealand and the, and the US and Canada. And I was aware that some of these things, you know, because as you and I both know from our work, there are cultural reasons that some apps don't take off so well in in certain places and um and the uk hasn't really sort of got going with car sharing particularly whereas many countries in europe have you know and different reasons for stuff not being as successful in some territories but i wanted to choose apps that i felt fitted in with my life um and give things a go that i felt were things that maybe people would see as something that wasn't massive leap from the way they live now. And this is something I talk about in the introduction to the book. I, d- I didn't want to come across as some kind of like, you know, freaky hippie and somebody that wanted to go and like live off grid or anything like that. I just wanted to say, look, these things are there. Give them a try. They, they're actually quite fun. Some of them, you know, they're a bit, you know, they're, they're, there's lots of other benefits. Uh, and, it's not just about the planet it's about community and it's about saving money and making money even and these are sort of easy kind of I don't know like a short walk from maybe what you're doing now in your life so that was a very long way of answering your question I suppose just I wanted to try the ones that sort of made sense to me really and and the million dollar question is which ones are you, do you keep using? Which ones have your has the whole entire family bought I, into? I wish I had um, ten dollars for every time somebody has said, "Do you still walk that dog?" Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I do occasionally. Um, the ones that I love the most, and it probably came across in the book. I absolutely love the fashion rental apps. Um, they're brilliant, and for events and things like that, I will always rent now. Um, so I've definitely stuck with that. Food sharing, also stuck with, I mean, partly, you know, as a mom of teenagers, anything that I can do to sort of take away surplus um, patisserie from local delis and shops is, um, is always going to be a winner with a, um, with a growing sun. Um, and yeah, I mean, think certain things sort of like the opportunity maybe hasn't presented itself again, like, you know, things like uh, I tried a, a car sharing app when my car was in the garage getting fixed. Um, I would definitely do that again. And I think some of them are sort of occasional use things. Um, I really love the skill sharing as well. And that would be, that's something I've stuck with as well. Sort of trading an hour of my time, my skills for an hour of somebody else's I think that that's a really great one um, which deserves to take off yeah it's interesting that that you you kind of um, end on that one because truly I think with the pandemic and work from home and the great exodus uh, or silent retiring or whatever they're calling it um, there's just been I think this recognition that you know we all have skills and uh, you know traditional nine to five is not necessarily where you have to put them to use, and so the ability to leverage other people's skills when you don't need uh, a ton of time, right? But you also have some time to give. Um, to me, is I think one of the uh, where, where, where there's been so much growth, and it's just such an obvious uh, oh, way to maximize you know capacity of of people and. Especially especially experts and experienced folks who who are uh, can really contribute to somebody else's success but again 
not doesn't need to be a nine to five employee. So I think that that's um, I, I love, love, love the idea and do some of it myself um, in, in just, you know, trying to to share my skills with uh, with you know early stage founders and other mm. platforms to help mm. them grow. It's got so much potential that idea, and and in the book I d- I do look back and sort of say, well, when when was this um, something that we did in the past, and and what what were the origins of this? So that that was really interesting, and then just sort of learning about time banking, which was actually an American. Um, American thing originally I think that was in the 1980s and and now obviously again it's about technology technology mm-hmm. allowing us to do these things more safely more easily and at scale so you know it just feels like the time is right especially for I think skill sharing I agree with you it's um it's re- it feels very very current yeah I, I really and and so um kind of last couple questions here um you're you're your thoughts on the future of the sharing economy um, kind of broadly, kind of where do you think it goes and, and adoption and, and, and what are your thoughts? Well, I think people are quite hard on the sharing economy in the sense that you sometimes think, you know, you see people like posting on like LinkedIn or in magazine articles and stuff, it's Forbes, that sort of thing going, oh yeah, the sharing economy, that's it's dead on arrival or that was a trend right. and now it's gone. It's like, oh my goodness give this a chance, you know, um, it's, um, you know, don't, people suggest that it should have sort of caught on by now, but I think we've got to remember here that it's like, this isn't, you know, this is a business model. This isn't an industry or something. And it's had to disrupt so many different industries and it's working its way through. It's getting there, but it has only been what, just over a decade since the phrase was even coined in the first place so I think first of all we need to give it a chance but you know I would love it to become mainstream I would love it to just be the way that we do things I would love the the actual term the sharing economy to be long forgotten in 20 years time it's just a, a part of the way we do things um, and I think that there is definitely an opportunity for that to happen I feel like and I know I'm biased because obviously I've written a book about it and I'm kind of obsessed but there feels like there's lots of stars that are aligned here. We've got recessions the world over, so people are looking at ways to sort of save or make money. We've got these massive concerns about the planet, rightly so. And we've got this, as you touched on earlier, this sort of new generation coming through who care less about ownership and are more used to this kind of on-demand or this subscription way of, of getting what they want and we you know you hear these terms like the experience economy and it's about sort of tapping into something briefly and then moving on to the next thing so I think that with all these things combined and then this sort of peak that we had peak as in um, a little look at the potential for community to thrive again and the peak through the sort of doors of that really came during the pandemic when people suddenly sort of remembered who their neighbours were and and Mm -hmm. actually started sort of collaborating with the people around them. And I think we've had a taste of that and lots of things are converging at the same time that make me feel that the sharing economy has a fighting chance. That's not to say that every startup should or will succeed or every idea will work, but I just feel like there is a rising tide happening and um a a thought 
change occurring that gives me hope that this is actually going to work out. And actually also to add to that, we need to make it easy for people to do it and we need to make it safe and find the balance between easy and safe that you know we talk a lot about market uh, marketplace risk about things you know the, the friction and that sort of sweet spot between something being you know not having too much friction but just enough so that people feel safe in their transaction and obviously you know the marketplace community is really helping this and helping the people that make sharing economy transactions easier and safer and you know that's obviously a credit to what to what you've been doing so I think lots of things come into play here but again long answer to a short question (laughs) I think that it does have a fighting chance for sure yeah and I think that one of the things is you know governments getting involved and and building infrastructure and helping I think just a little a little goes a long way when you combine with the younger generation just being so much more conscious and and conscientious about these issues um you know it's it's not as big of a shift for them to adopt some of these uh, you know it's almost like a way a, a way of life right it's a lifestyle when you start thinking about um you know your footprint and and not buying and and borrowing and renting and sharing and you know not not needing to own things it's a mindset right and it's a it's a way of life um so they're really open to it aren't they i think younger people they are so completely i i I think completely and and you know i always say i I mean i'm i'm aging myself now but i always say that you know the younger generations uh, is what really gives hope um and i think that you know, on the climate crisis, hopefully it's not too late and, and things like this, you know, they really give hope because they're very open-minded um, and uh, less, um, you know, they're, they're less materialistic, mm. I think, than, than we probably were um, growing up. Um, so I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. Um, two last quick things. Number one, um, where can people purchase Thanks for Sharing? Oh, so in the US, it is actually stocked at your lovely big book chain, which is Barnes & Noble, isn't it? That's what it, that's right. <laughs> that's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is Barnes & Noble also like a, a sort of department store? Like a, was no, it just, just, a, just a bookstore. Yeah. A huge bookstore, but yeah. Yeah, so it's really exciting that it's on the shelf. But what I've been seeing coming through is, you know, I get Google alerts and it's been stocked in these amazing independent bookstores in everywhere from Maine to Illinois and Washington State and just all these places. And I get little alerts and these cool bookshops um, pop up and they're stocking it. So because I did worry I know this is, again, not your question, but I did worry about the US and, um, you know, how it would be received there. And and where in the UK and Europe, we have a book section, which is often called sort of um, sustainable living or, mm-hmm. um, you know, home, you know, these types, sorts of things. When I looked on some of the book lists in, in the US, when you have um, books about this, it's all about sort of, you know, how to barbecue your road kill or how to like <laughs> live in a what you in a bunker and stuff and I was thinking oh my god my book's not going to fit in with any of these at all it's doomsday like, preppers yes that mm-hmm. and I was like this you know renting a dress is not going to fly with these guys but it has been well received um over in the US as well so but in a, yeah it can it's available from all the usual places Amazon but because it's uh, an actual physical book um published by Corto, which is a worldwide publisher, it's in um 
the bookshops on the streets as well. And I'm sure that if your local bookshop doesn't have it, it can be ordered. Um, so, uh, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Last question. I know you do a lot of consulting and advising. And so if people wanted to get a hold of you, um, how, what's the best way to do that? How do they get a hold of you? Well, I've got a website that's got bits about my advisory work and my uh, consulting work on and also stuff about my book and also lovely endorsements from people like you. Um, and that is Eleanor Tucker, all one word, .co.uk. But I'm also quite active on LinkedIn where my name is written as Eleanor in brackets L because I go <laughs> by either. Um, and yeah, so I've got a really good network there. And then if you want the uh, the lighter side of things, I also have an Instagram, which is tucking L. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there we are. It starts with a T, by the way. <laughs> yes, um, that was me trying to be funny about 10 years ago and then unable to um, change it. So Mm-hmm. Right. Well, thank you uh, for joining me uh, again. Thank you for all of your support over the years. Uh, and um, I'm super excited. This is a, a huge milestone um, for uh, anybody, but particularly for the sharing economy and what we do. And so thanks for being the one that um, uh, quarterbacked this or thanks for sharing in your parlance. Um, and we will uh, connect very soon in vivo. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. You can check out more episodes at marketplacerace.com, along with information about all of our conferences, summits, virtual content, and resources designed to help marketplaces and digital platforms launch, grow, and succeed. And follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on upcoming programs, events, and important news.